Okay, everybody, I got one thing I'm going to do because we're talking about land patents today, and I'm going to show you a quick video here. This is Catherine Austin Fitz about the new IRS agents and what they're after. Check it out. If they can put a chip in your hand and implement a financial transaction control grid, it's not just that they can ma mandate a vaccine or cut you off from food. They can and will take your children. That's what you have to say. When people say I have nothing to hide, yes, you do. You have your children to hide. I'm serious about this. You know, if you if you look at the people who are running this operation, they are slavers. They practice slavery. They believe in slavery. Slavery is the single most profitable business ever to date in the history of man on the planet. They will take your children, not from everybody, but I assure you, this, you know, it's what I said when I wrote the, the introduction to the issue on sovereignty. This fight is for all the marbles. And I assure you, these guys can print money. They don't need your money. They, they want your land. They want your gold. And they want your kids. Those are the real assets they're after. The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. You said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? 
Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQRSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and you'll see two videos on the top of the page. This is going to look a little different than what I'm showing you now because we are pre-recording. We're live now, but we're pre-recording this. And um, so when you go there, these pictures will look a little different. The one on the left will be Bradley's show from the previous day. And the one on the right is where we're at, and all you got to do is click play, blow it up on whatever device you got, and the bottom right-hand corner, you will see a Rumble icon. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. And uh, we are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live there. Please subscribe to the channel. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. And we're also on DLive.TV at the Sons of Liberty. And uh, then right up under where we're at there, you can sign up for our email newsletter. You get one of those a day. It usually comes late in the evening. Uh, The articles that we have uh, from Bradley and myself and from our contributors. And then if you would like to support us and keep us out there doing the things that we're doing on Internet radio and in the States, there's a donate button at the top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation. Or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And uh, there are stores available. I don't know exactly what we're going to have uh, when this will air as far as our special, but that will be in our archive, as well as the uh, the articles that we'll have that we'll highlight. That'll be in there, and you'll get some bonus videos in the archive later on today. SonsofLibertyMedia.com is where you want to find that. So anything we talk about today, that'll be in that archive, okay? So if you're looking for it, that's where you need to go, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and you're going to look up uh, for the title for land patents, because that's what we're going to be talking about today. And here to help me do that is um, Ron Gibson, and you can find his website at rongibson.info. And we had a great discussion on, we aired it on Friday, about presumptions, 12 presumptions the U.S. courts have about you and me. Before we come in there, we don't even know it. And it's basically, we're assumed guilty, and we have to prove our innocence, which is completely backwards from how our government is supposed to function, is supposed to assume that we are innocent until proven guilty. And so 
Uh, Ron's specialty really is in land patents, and he helps a lot of people with this. And some of you may be going, I've heard something about that. Or some of you are going, what is a land patent? So we got a guy on here who's going to answer that for you and kind of give you some instruction as to how to do that. And if you're interested in doing it, you can contact him, and he'll help you through that process. And it's my privilege to welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, Ron Gibson. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Good to have you. And and we had a little we had a little offset with time because Ron's at like two hours behind me, and I know how that can be working with people with time things. But we got together, and uh, we're going to present this information for you. But Ron, let's start off a little bit. Now you're you're a lawyer. You're not an attorney. And we made distinction about that. People can hear that in the previous show that we had on Friday. But you're a lawyer. You've been doing this kind of stuff for a number of years. You've helped a lot of people do it. Let's start off with what is a let's let's go back before. Not what is a land patent. What do when people think they own land? Can you help them understand what's really going on when they say I own this piece of land? Well, excuse me. I think Tim, it's probably prudent to back up a little bit uh, in the sense, and not to evade your question, but to answer your question. Okay. Our right of land ownership is a God-given right. That's why it cannot be taxed. It can't be leaned. It can't be foreclosed on. You can't be evicted off of it, and on and on and on. Okay. So I went to my Bible and. And there are 11 different scriptures of which God said, my people shall inherit the earth. They will possess the, uh, the land. And on and on and on it goes. But for every one of those, the word forever is included in that. And our forefathers, being for the most part, being uh, of a Christian basis, put that in to the land patent language when the land patents are issued. Now, let me explain what a land patent is. A land patent comes from scripture. It comes from the basis that not only is it a title to land, but it also is accompanied with uh, vested rights. You say, well, what do you mean vested rights? Vested rights means that the rights are in law, okay? They're in our Bill of Rights, our rights are in different portions of the Constitution. Also, the patent, which is just an 11, 8.5 by 11 document, unless it's a railroad patent, then it's pages and pages long, but that's by special act of Congress. <clears throat> but the land patent was designed by our forefathers, and here's part of the language, so that even the poor man would not lose his land to speculators, uh, to uh, unlawful legislation or from wrongful decrees from the court, etc. <clears throat> okay? They wanted to make sure that once that, that land patent was issued to the grantee, that's the recipient of the original grant, and someone else down the line is an assignee. And so on every patent it says is hereby granted to the undersigned, to their heirs, and assigns forever. Now folks, I'm looking at my watch and forever isn't up yet. And I get all of these politicians and I get attorneys and I get judges that try to tell me, oh, that's old stuff. 
it doesn't doesn't apply anymore. That's not what the law says. The Supreme Court has ruled on this subject hundreds and hundreds of times for the last 190 years. The Supreme Court case relative to a patent, to a legitimate patent, has never lost at the Supreme Court level. But what I wanted to emphasize to you, when the General Land Office was created by Congress for the purpose of disposing of the lands that's mandated by Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2 of the U.S. Constitution. That is a mandate. They have to dispose of those lands. And I'll get into the flaw that the Congress has blundered down the line. But it was for the purpose of getting lands held in trust that the United States government personnel, Congress and the Senate, that were, were the trustees of public lands. And I really get red and hot under the collar when I hear people say, well, that, 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 that's government land, that's BLM land, that's Forest Service land, uh, you know, that's uh, national uh, f f um, monuments and all of that stuff. There is no such thing. The Constitution does not allow the government to own land other than military bases, ammunition storage facilities, ports, docks, and post offices, and other needful buildings, okay? In other words, your right of ownership is very, very narrow. The rest of the land belongs to you and I, we the people. That's why we the people is in our Constitution. I could tell you a whole story on that. It's a credible story. But basically, when the general land, when you applied, you had to pay, uh, pay for the survey. The land is not bought under a land patent because it's a grant. A grant means that it's given. What you're paying for the dollar and a half an acre is for the survey done by the government surveyors of whatever land that you're claiming that you want uh, to claim under this land patent then the surveyors will go out and survey that, and then that is submitted to the General Land Office. And you have to fill out certain paperwork, you have to pay for that survey, and then in essence you have to live on that land for a minimum of five years, and you have to put a minimum of $500 worth of expenditures in it. Once you do that, then the General Land Office is obligated by law of which to issue that patent. Now, let me let me explain something here. The patent is not just a piece of paper, and and I'm gonna I don't have it here with me, uh, but let me give you an illustration. I have a paper here, and let's say that this represents the patent, okay? And this patent, this the piece of paper that you're issued with the president's signature on it describes who issued the patent, in most cases the United States government, and it describes the land conveyed by the patent, and it also gives any subject to a reservation that may apply to that land, and then the signature and all the dates and everything are put down at, at the bottom. This paper that you're getting that we call the title is really not the title, and you're going to scratch your head and say, well, Ron, you just said it was the title. Bear with me. This is evidence 
of your title. Did you catch that? Yep. This is evidence of your of your of your title. Your title is in law. You say, well, what do you mean? Your title is in Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2. That's why it can't be leaned. That's why it can't be foreclosed on. That's why you can't be evicted off of it if you have that. Because all of the protective covenants that were issued by the General Land Office to the grantee, the person that received that, gets all of these protective covenants. And not only that, the land patents are protected by treaty law. There isn't a court in this land that has the authority to override or to annul the treaty. Excuse me a second. Let me shut this thing off. Okay, and just so people know, you're, you're saying Article 4, Section 3, uh, and Clause 2, is that correct? That is correct. Okay, so let me read that to the people just so they understand what, what, what we're talking about. The Congress shall have power to dispose of and make all needful rules and regulations respecting the territory or other property belonging to the United States, and nothing in this Constitution shall be con so construed as to prejudice any claims of the United States or of any particular state. That's, that's the section that we're talking about, right? That is correct. Okay. Now, notice the key word, <clears throat> M, that you just read. Okay. Their mandate is to dispose. What does dispose mean? It means to transfer from one party to another. That's what the patent does. Okay. And, and all the land that the United States has acquired either by conquest or by treaty or by purchase or whatever, does not go to the title of the government. They claim that they have it, but it doesn't. It goes in to we the people trust. Every land law ever made in this country is based upon a public uh, land law designation. Okay? Okay. So on the basis of that, then once the government issues that patent, they are forbidden by law and the Constitution from reasserting any claim back to that patent. Now, when a state applies for statehood, they have to, to fill out and file with the federal government uh, what's called an admissions notice, admissions act. It's for the purpose of, of stating that they are relinquishing all rights, title, and interest in that land so that when the General Land Office disposes of that land through a land patent, there are no liens or no encumbrances, whatever. Here's the interesting thing about this, guys, and that is the fact that nowhere in law does the state have a right to come back and claim which that they relinquish for the purpose of becoming a state. I want to see that document, and I can tell you it doesn't exist. I've been in law for four, about 50 years there, and I'm an avid researcher. I study and study and study and study. I tell people I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with the girls to do, but I study. And I've had some horrendous discussions and arguments with judges and attorneys and politicians who think they know what they don't know. And that's the, the, the saddening part about it. Got a an inquiry the other day from an attorney that claims that 
there, there never was anything except a patent. How come there's 190 years of court cases of the Supreme Court? So all I'm getting, trying to get across to you is that that land patent is the only title to land in our nation of laws. There is no other title. Now, those of you who have bought property, you have a warranty deed, and you say, well, I paid it off, now I own it. No, you don't. You never owned that property. You are a renter. You're a tenant. Go look on your paperwork. Don't take my word for it. You're a tenant or you're a tenant in common, you and your wife, whatever. Let me tell you what a warranty deed does or a, a grant deed. doesn't matter. It's all in the same ballpark. That is a permission slip. Nobody ever calls it by its true name. And you say, Ron, what are you talking about? If you look at your warranty deed, what it will do, it will give a description of a property that you have a right to occupy. The other thing that a warranty does is just acknowledges that you have an equity interest in something. Nothing about ownership. There's a tremendous difference in law. So here we are now, people got these bank loans and everything and the bank is trying to foreclose them and has foreclosed on many people. There is no lawful authority for a foreclosure at all, ever. Okay. Ever. Ever. Okay. Because the bank doesn't loan you any money and they cannot put a lien on, on land. Now I want to digress a little bit with you. Let's move forward from the, the General Land Office was enacted, that act by Congress in 1812. So we move forward now to uh, June 11th, uh, 1946. Congress enacts another blunderous uh, act that they had no authority to do. And it's called the Creation of the Act of the Administrative Procedures Act. What that unlawful action did was to push aside the Constitution. It also was intended and did, because we didn't object to it, push common law aside. And now they claim as a corporation that we are now going to operate as a corporate entity that claims that it's a government. It can never be a government unless you and I, we the people, allow it. But in reference to that, they created instead of laws. We started out in our nation with laws. Those laws were based upon scripture and the Bible and God's law. So then when the corporation came into being, then in essence, they pushed that aside and they implemented statutes and codes. Statutes and codes are not law. They can never be law. There's no provision anywhere in our nation's laws of which allows a statute to become a, 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 a law. And I get real upset when I hear people and politicians and, and law enforcement and all of that, uh, boy, we're going to uphold the, 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 the rule of law. You know what they're telling you? <clears throat> they're telling you that, in fact, they're going to prepare a rule and let you believe that it's a law, that they're enforcing the law. And I can tell you from 50 years in law, <clears throat> there, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> there is no such thing. <clears throat> okay. 
So here we are now, June 11th, 1946, and once they implemented that act, then the government and the states who all joined in to become, it, it took from 1946 to early 1954 for all the states to then incorporate and be satellite corporations to the federal government corporation. They then took upon themselves <clears throat> to redefine lawful terms to make them legal terms. Legal and lawful are not one and the same. And what they did, me, <clears throat> what they did was they redefined lawful terms and called them legal terms. For example, they then redefined land and defined it then as real estate. There is a maximum law that's universal, and what that says is one can only claim jurisdiction over that which one creates. So they created a new use called the straw man, all capital letters. Look at your driver's license, your bank account, your <clears throat> social security card, etc., etc., etc. So on the basis of that, then they changed the issue of law enforcement that are from the peace officer to law enforcement. Uh, the coroner is trying to get this thing to shut up. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> the coroner was taken away and renamed to be the uh, medical examiner which was placed under the jurisdiction of the state police. And I could go down through the list. They redefined everything they could for the purpose of claiming control and jurisdiction over it, which affects our lives every day in every facet uh, of our life. Now, Ron, one of the things that we talked about, that this becomes this administrative law, this under the corporation. And you and I, I think we're talking about the issue like, even like what we see at TSA, they say that's administrative law that they can violate the Fourth Amendment and our protections that we're supposed to have to be secure in our persons and stuff. They do that under administrative, they're doing the same thing there that they're doing on the land, aren't they? They're just, they're, they're establishing these corporate rules, uh, bylaws, if you will, uh, under that corporation, and then they're seeking to enforce it, and because people don't know any better, they're just like, okay, well, I guess I got to go along with this because they're going to enforce this on me instead of standing up and saying, wait a minute, I'm not submitting this. I'm not part of this contract with you guys. You're making up stuff. This is not law and, and asserting their authority over the corporation instead of allowing the corporation to do it over them, right? That is correct. That's okay. absolutely correct. So what you have now is a corporate entity that is so deeply entrenched that they have people believing that they have authority over our lives and our property. There's a very famous case, and I love, I love case law because there's so much meat and potatoes in it. But uh, the city of Dallas versus Mitchell case, uh, the, the, the court got it right. Uh, one of the very few times that they really got it right. And on page three of the ruling, the judge said that our... Our rights don't come from government. Our rights come from our creator. And we are not subject to government rules and regulation. That's what statutes and codes are and policy and procedure. So uh, they said, 
our, our rights come from our Creator, and we are not bound by government rules and regulations unless, unless we volunteer to be subject to those rules and regulations. So the question is, what have you volunteered for? You people that have a driver's license, unless you're in commerce, in other words, somebody paying you to drive, to haul the school bus, taxi, whatever, you don't have to have a driver's license because you're not driving. There are specific legal definitions for driving. That means you're in commerce. In Oregon, it's ORS 801.305, says vehicular travel is a matter of right. We have so many rights, folks, but we don't know any of them because we're too busy watching the six o'clock news. You don't have to be a law scholar of which to stand up and, and, and object. When I was going to law school, it was very interesting. Our, our, our law professor drilled us in our head over and over and over. Always challenge jurisdiction. Hmm. Always challenge jurisdiction. And I have found in my career that when you challenge it in 99% of the time, they do not have the jurisdiction that they're claiming that affects me and my rights and my property. And so you need to stand up. If you learn nothing else from me today is to stand up and challenge it and say, I want you to provide for me your jurisdiction in writing. Boy, let me tell you what, that slams the door on their fingers big time because they don't have the authority. Okay? Yep. So these land patents, when they're passed on from from owner to the recipient, from the owner to the recipient, that full protective covenant, everything that was originally issued from the general land office to the grantee, which is the first one to receive it, uh, that's in full force and effect. Every one of you out there that have a, 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 a private property, uh, real estate it's called now, but there's an underlying patent with full force and effect that carries on day in and day out. They came along, and if I can use the illustration, after the 1946 debacle of Congress, they, I'm going to use an illustration here. They took a blanket and they put over the top of the patent issue. And then they called that real estate, as though that was the real and true title to land. But they claimed jurisdiction to it. Now here's the problem, folks, with uh, any kind of a warranty deed or a grant deed or whatever. There is no title. Law, the land law states very clearly that for one to convey property to another must have an entitle appropriate of that land which is being transferred. In other words, you better have a title. That's why a foreclosure, the banks have no title. When you do your so-called contract, that it isn't even a contract, and you do your promissory note, that isn't even a promissory note, has no lawful authority, is the very fact now all that the bank has given them benefit of the doubt here is that they have a lien that supposedly they loaned you money and the agreed upon interest where in that equation is a title 
I've researched all kinds of law, constitutional law, land law, water right law, the whole gamut. Been in it all my life. And nowhere do I find that you can convert a mortgage to a title. So therefore, they didn't start out with a title, even with the signing of what you're doing, because it's based upon fraud. They defrauded you. They never loaned you any money. They converted your pro promissory note. And I don't want to get too deep in that subject. It's a whole other, other, other class. Well, let's, can, can we stop there for a second? Because I got some people I know that are going, wait a minute, they didn't loan me money. I signed a thing. There it was a certain amount of money, and the people got paid that I bought my house or my land from or whatever, and they obviously got paid something. Uh, can you take just a minute? We don't want to go down that rabbit trail, but let's, let's just take a minute so people who have that question going, well, wait a minute, that sounds odd to me, but they don't understand how the straw man was set up. They don't understand where these people went, and, and they got the funds, if you will, almost immediately once you put your name on the X on your mortgage or whatever it is, or you're buying your land, they got paid almost immediately the full amount uh, which they transferred over, but they didn't actually have any money. So how does that work for people who might have a question about that? How, how can I go further if I don't understand how this went on? Boy, I'm glad you asked that question because it's a very, very legitimate question. <clears throat> Here's what happens when you apply for a loan. The bank will present, pretend that they're the holder of monies to be lent, and so you do it through all of the shuffle of papers and credit check and all of the garbage that goes along that that's nothing but a facade. What they do when you sign that so-called contract that is the contract, uh, and you sign a promissory note, they, they are allowed, not that it's lawful because it's not, but they're allowed to treat that promissory note in a number of different ways. One of the ways that they can treat that is that they can treat it as a check. Every loan that the mortgage has put out there you have a three-day revocation period of which you can withdraw your signature and the deal falls flat on its face. But on the fourth day, they then will take that promissory note, they will sign that as a check, endorse it, they will send it to the IMF, which is the holder of the monies that's created by your birth certificate. I don't know if you know or not, but your birth certificate's worth hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Yep. Every time you do a credit card, you buy a car, that account is, they got their hand in there grabbing your money. Are, are you folks with me here? Yep. And as a result of that, then in essence, that money that they get from the IMF, they then take that money and they give to the to the uh, title company who then pays off the seller with your money with your money and then they turn around and they make you pay the full amount plus usury which the bible forbids them to do it forbids them to charge their own countrymen uh, usury but they do it anyway and so by the time you ended up you end up quote unquote paying for it you're using debt money to pay a debt uh, so, however that's supposed to work, by the time you do it, you've paid two or three times whatever they said you're going to be paying, 
and in the end, you were really the creditor. They just beguiled you. We talked about this on Friday, like Satan did. They beguile you into thinking they've got all the money when what they're really doing is they know the ins and outs of how this works. They go grab your money, they do it there, and then you're enriching them by being deceived into thinking they're the creditor and you're the borrower, but really what's going on is you're the creditor, you've just been deceived into thinking you're the debtor, right? That's correct. Now let's take this a little further so you folks understand how this works. If they don't cash that as a check, they will then monetize that promissory note. And remember, the promissory note is always the same exact dollar amount as the purchase of the property. Okay? So what they do, they monetize it, then they securitize it, which means that it's all packaged up, hundreds of thousands of these every day, and they're sent to Dun & Bradstreet for uh, rating. All, all mortgages are rated in certain categories, and I don't understand all what the ratings are, but, the, but they have a system that they do that. Then it's sent to Wall Street. Now follow me here. Your promissory note now has been put in a rating category along with the however many thousands of others there are, now it's sent to Wall Street. When it gets to Wall Street, they take all of those that were individual when they came in, and then they chop them up, and they put some in this stock, and this stock, and that stock, and this stock, and those stocks, and now who's the owner of that promissory note? Nobody knows because it could be broke up into hundreds or thousands or maybe even millions of shares of stock. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story. Got a friend of mine in 2008, right after Obama took <clears throat> office, he bought a $500,000 home in a place here we call Jacksonville, pretty elite neighborhood. Uh, but anyway, uh, he paid a half a million dollars for it, just a little old lot and pretty lawn and whatever. And as the economy kept getting worse and worse and worse, he got behind in his payments and they started threatening they were gonna come and foreclose. So he called me up and he said, Ron, what do I do? And I said, let's get a securitization audit done on your property. So he wanted to know what that was and I told him, I said, it's an audit that follows a signature and your signature, your promissory note and the money. So we did that. Three weeks later, we got a certified report back from the, the group of guys that were doing this on the thing. And that $500,000 promissory note in the five-year period of time, the time they bought it, the time he came to me to ask him for help, then in essence, it had generated nine, over $97 million. Wow. He doesn't get a dime of that. Yeah. They use his signature, and they're in there grabbing money. I mean, to tell you folks, if you realize how you're being raped and robbed, you would absolutely flip. Well, this is this is why, Ron, the biggest buildings in the cities are the banks. Uh, because... The companies. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and the insurance company. Yep. All part of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so... We, we've got this kind of idea here, and boy, we really need to probably, and I'm probably going to get my friend Bill back on uh, to talk about, you know, more of the straw man issue and how that, how we, when we're talking about we're in debt, 
that debt is based on us. It's not based on a gold or silver. It's not based on those little green things that you carry on. It's based on you. You are the property. You are the thing that we talked about on on, fri- on Friday's show. So the, the, the same thing looks like it's happening here with the land. And you made mention of this was a big deal that came out with... Um, with the Bundys, both at their ranch and also in Oregon, uh, that they were pointing out these very things that, you know, we gave D.C. 10 square miles and we said, if you get any other land, that is, uh, you have to go through the state legislature for that and it can only be used for a couple of things that it you know, could be used for. You mentioned those at the beginning. And that was a big thing because people just thought, well, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, I think, was one of the first who just started declaring, you know, national parks and things of this nature as government land. My question, I, I don't want to get off, I want to stick to the individual, but my quest, there's a question in my head. What about national parks? What about state parks and things of this nature? Do they, do they ultimately go back to an individual since government's not allowed to own the land? Well, the government has claimed it. And let me tell you what happened. Let's take another blunder that the U.S. Congress uh, committed without co- uh, constitutional authority. It's called federal, called FLIPMA for the short, but it means Federal Land Policy Management Act in October 1976. They enacted an act claiming that they were reclaiming, listen to the language, that they were reclaiming lands that they previously owned. There's nothing in the file nothing in law that ever shows that they ever owned any of that land because it's public land belongs to you and i so they virtually stole they stole the entire western united states that was not already under private ownership and they did it so they could collateralize the loans that they made that they blunder and various trillions of dollars in debt now I can tell you as a matter of fact, we've done research on this. They did not suspend or nullify the right of patents for the uh, domain, the public domain. The public domain means property on the federal territories that has not been already allocated uh, by uh, by or to somebody. Okay? So as a result of that, uh, they did not nullify the mining law. The reason that they can't nullify the mining law is because national defense is tied to that. The the mining law is in Title 30, Section 21A to 54. The the national defense is Title 30, called 1801 to 1811. And this was enacted after the Civil War so that the United States would never be deficient of raw materials for building up military and advancing society and all the blessings that we have today as a result of the mine product. So there's a lot of of shenanigans that have gone on, but the most stable thing, folks, that you have, excuse me, that is that as your land title called your patent. Now, I want to mention something else that I don't think that I've mentioned so far. Not only do you have a land patent, you have what's called an allodial land patent. And I want to read you something, if I may. Yes, please. I wrote, I wrote a book called What You Need to Know About Land Patents 
etc. I wrote another book called You're Not a Slave that has to do with the tax, property tax issue. But I took this directly out of the report from the General Land Office to the Senate and the Congress dated 1870. Let me read you this, and I want you to pay, pay close attention. Quote, the individual title derived from the government involves the entire transfer of ownership of the soil and water. It is purely allodial, with all the incidents pertaining to that title as substantial as the infancy of a Teutonic civilization. Following in the wake of this fundamental reform in our state land laws are several others which constitute appropriate corollary. Listen to the next little paragraph. It's a short one. The statute of use, and I want to get on to this relative to the patent here in a moment. The statute of use has, was never adopted in the public land states, and hence the complex distinction between use and trust has never embarrassed our jurisprudence. Now, you may be saying, Ron, what did you just read? And I'll tell you what I just read. That means that that patent that affects your private property is still full, full force in effect, and it still is a lodial title. It still has all the protected covenants that came with it originally. You can't add anything to a patent, and you can't take anything away. Uh, Corpus Juris Secundum 73b uh, uh, addresses that issue in law. So what you have now is your right to bring that forever benefit. When I tell people that I can help them with a patent, the first assumption is that we're creating a new patent. That is not the case. I don't have the authority, nor do you or anyone else, to, to create a new patent. We come off of the existing patent because it says forever. See how critical that word now becomes? Yes. It, it's God-given. God said you have a right to the land. It's, it's a, it's a, a God-given right, and we're to be good stewards of that land. But as far as a title is concerned, God owns everything anyway. But we, because of societies, we have to have some distinction about relative who owns what or who claims it for the time sure. being or yep. however you want to put it. But the point being is that in this thing here, they're saying that the, the any claim that a neighbor has against you and goes to a code enforcement person is an embarrassment to the judicial system. You're not to go complain to a, a person because, number one, there's no standing to do that enough for you to do it. Number two, there is no authority or standing or jurisdiction for the code enforcement to come there and to harass you or to write you a citation. <coughs> because it's an allodial title. It's unimpeachable at law. In other words, you can't touch it. You cannot touch a patent. Okay, so let me let me make sure I'm I'm understanding what you're saying here. 
we're, when some people, you know, this was an issue again that came out from the the Nevada, the Bundy Ranch thing. There was that ultimately they were after not just their land; they were after their water rights. So you're saying this land patent? If I got springs, I got a I got a creek in at the back of the property and everything. I've got those kinds of things. So in other words, once this land patent has been updated, and that's really what you're talking about is it, we have to bring it up to date because it hasn't been done that way. Once that's done and we we possess that land patent, then we not only own we not only own the land, but we own all the rights, all the minerals on that land, all the water, everything. Is that correct? Well, no. Okay. Uh, originally, when the land, the Homestead Act, uh, which is an agricultural patent, it was designed for the purpose of creating farms that fed the individual family and a nation, ultimately. Uh, then when the mining law came into effect four years later, then there was a real conflict about the surface owner and the subsurface owner, which was the mine and the mineral. And then the secretary of the uh, interior uh, decided that he would implement <clears throat> a, a policy of which uh, they could not uh, get the mineral if in fact uh, mineral was known to exist prior to the issuance of the patents called the Noble Decision. But originally that they did. But on every patent, as you move down in it, if there's any kind of a reservation, it will say excuse me. Subject to ditches, canals, water rights, whatever is reserved, in other words if somebody had a prior claim to it, has to be acknowledged on that patent. And you can't erase those. Those are there, they're in stone just like the title is in, in stone in law. So uh, if you do not have a subject to, and you get everything that that uh, is within the boundary of that land path. Okay, so, so if I, let's just say, <laughs> let's say uh, my kid goes out here, he's got a metal detector, and all of a sudden he... I don't know. Hits it big in the gold or whatever. He's got. He's found some gold or whatever the case may be, um, and he's down there panning it out out of the creek or whatever. So, it, with that land patent, you're telling me that unless unless it's um, if it's not specifically stated in that land patent, then the water rights are ours when we do that. The gold would be ours. But if it says something on there, are you saying that? That we'd be stealing from somebody else? Is that how that would be understood? I'm a little bit fuzzy on how that's understood there. Well, it would take a little bit to explain. Okay. But, it, but in very simplistic terms, the mining law allows uh, a person to go upon the public lands. Now, if you're trespassing, <clears throat> that's going to get a little confusing, but they're two separate estates. The surface estate is a homestead. The subsurface estate is mineral. And because mineral is tied to national defense, it is superior in its priority to seek minerals than it is to farm it on top of the ground, if I can put it in that way. Okay. In time that you do that as a miner and you damage or disturb or destroy any part of his surface estate, you're obligated to pay him that value. 
There, there, there's no getting around it. Okay. But the surface owner cannot stop you from seeking that mineral, again, because it's tied to national defense. So that's kind of... If, if I've explained it anywhere as simply as I can. So let me make sure, let me, let me see if I got what you're saying. So if you own a piece of land and government said, hey, we need to come over here and we need to mine this for such and such a mineral, uranium. I know that was a big issue out in Oregon. Uh, I think it was also out near the Bundy Ranch, too. We, we need to mine this for, for uranium. If they do that, one... I'm guessing they have to have your permission to come on your property if you have a land patent. And two, if they do it, they've got to pay you something for, for disturbing the land that they're going to mess up to, to mine that. Is that is that pretty close? Well, yes, with the exception that there is an element in mining law called extralateral rights. And those extralateral rights mean that if you have a mineral that is evident that looks like starts on on your land and then in essence you you follow it and it goes into a neighbor's property you have a right to mine that because it originated on your property okay yep i got you looks like somebody's trying to reach you again (laughs) you're a popular guy man my my phone you wouldn't believe what i told you Can't shut it off. Can't shut it up. So. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll deal with it because we're almost in the end of the show, and I know there's still some stuff to go. So if we need to go over a little bit, we can do that. Uh, okay. So so let's let's get to that. We kind of covered a, a lot here in this, and I know people are saying, okay, so Ron, I'm a person. I own two, five, ten acres, whatever the case is. I got a house. Maybe I got um, a, a small farm, a homestead that I've got. Um, how can I get into this so that I can secure that nobody comes and they, they kick me off my land, they kick me out of my house, and they sell it to somebody else? How can I do that? What What is, you know, how much money am I looking at? How much time am I looking at putting it in? Because uh, my understanding from you is, is you do certain things, but you have the person actually go and pull certain documents uh, at the local level so that you can do what you do. Can you help people understand what they what what's required of them, wh- how the process works, and things of that nature? Yeah. Okay. Just a very very simplistic. There are three things. If you're going to have me do it or whatever, uh, three things that you have to have, and that's I I encourage people to get three certified copies of the original land patent. And also, you have to have the summary of the chain of title. And the summary of chain of title is just all of the owners from you back to the patent. That ties you together with it. And I have to have the first two pages or three if your third page is a, an Exhibit A, which is the legal description of, of, your, of your property. Those three things are required, and I put the legal documents together, the notice document, the certificate, uh, uh, of acceptance. Uh, You're right up to that land patent benefit. You have to accept that. I'm going to give you a little example, if I may. I go out and I buy the most expensive and, and, and best gift that I could possibly come up with and I bring it to you all wrapped up in a package there 
beautiful ribbon on it and you know the, the whole enchilada and I present that to you and you don't accept that you say you say no I, I don't what good is the gift are you with me yep okay now that's what you have in a land patent so to speak it was a gift from the United States Trust of, of public lands to the first private owner. And that entrustment of that gift then is passed on. It never diminishes. Aha, so so let me make sure I understand that correctly. So this is where we go when we when we start seeing the old movies or we read the old stories where somebody comes in and they become a squatter on the land, right? This is Correct. this is where this is where this gifting comes in, so to speak, to that person, whatever they squatted on, as far as their land uh, outlay in which they were going to build on, which they were going to homestead, then they made it. They they in essence were making a claim, and the U.S. government said, "Yep, that's your land. We're going to survey it off. We'll mark it, and that's yours." Is that correct? Well, um, something like that. Is that a simplistic kind of way? In, in concept, it is okay. The, the true definition of a squatter is one who comes upon somebody else's property and, and tries to lay claim to it. Okay. okay. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, there, there were Ron, also hang on. I didn't, I didn't catch the time there. We're going to hold Ron over just a little bit. If you want him to help you, his website is rongibson.info. Rongibson.info. He can explain this for you. He can help you do it. And... Uh, We'll see you in the morning at 6 a.m., Lord willing. Adios. All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And I'm sorry about that, Ron. I, I saw we were getting down on time, and then I wanted to ask that question. So go ahead and carry your thoughts over there. Pardon? Go ahead, and you were about to you were about to speak there, so go ahead and carry your, your thoughts on about what I said about the squatter. You were, you were saying that's actually somebody coming and trying to take somebody else's land. There also is a different type of squatter, one that goes out into the public domain, in other words, the forest, and then this makes a claim to the land. Now, before there were laws, he could do that because no one else had a prior claim. But they were called squatters, and that's what instituted Congress to enact the General Land Office so that they could control and give people a true title, whatever. But they started out as squatters, if I can put it in that. Right, okay. I got no, I get it. I get it. Okay, so somebody's somebody's gonna come to you and they're gonna go to rongibson.info and they say, Okay, Ron, how do I get the ball rolling on this? What are you gonna tell them that they got that they have to do and what you're all what you're gonna do and what what's a what's a normal cost for something like this? Well, we have two different programs. One of them is a gold, gold program, and the other one is a silver. Uh, the gold one, we do it all. We get the, the patent for the client. We do this, the research for the chain of title. We do the legal documents, etc. the notice document. <laughs> we do the, the chain of title, all of those. On the silver package, that we have the client uh, participate to go get the, the patent uh, to do the research on the summary of chain of title and to provide us with the first two or three pages of the of their warranty deed or grant deed, whatever they have. 
Okay. All right. And what kind of money are people talking about when they pick the gold where you do everything and or the silver? And is there anything else once they let's say they take the gold and they say, hey, I just want you to do it all. I'm too busy to be messing with stuff. Let's say they do that. There were some other things you said, like they have to take out uh, some ads in the paper and they have to let that run to show what they're doing and everything. It has to be public a public notice of that. Um, do you, you would you guys be doing that or would that be something they have to do still, well, even though you're once we're done with the package, then we're done. Okay. With the package. And what they will get back is do exact duplicate okay. copies of all of the necessary documents. Okay. Remember, you have to you have to establish that there was an authority of property that was conveyed. That's a patent. The second thing of it is that you have to tie yourself to that property by way of your chain of title. You have to prove by virtue of your warranty deed or grant deed or whatever that you have a right to make a claim that affects that. In other words, everything has to tie together. When you do that, then you are entitled to bring the forever benefit forward of that original patent. And that's what I help people do. And the cost of that for the gold is $2,900. The silver is $1,500. So just depend upon how much effort you want to put in it. Whatever. Okay. But the, 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 if I may say, I want people, hopefully, to understand the reason that I've been promoting this patent issue is not for the money. That 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 really doesn't even come into the equation. Do I need money to live and my staff and all of that? Yes, we do. But the real issue that's been a motive in my heart for years, probably the last 35 or 40 years, is to help people get the title of their land in their in their hand. Because folks, listen carefully. They're coming after your land. And they're brutal about it. And they're unmerciful about it. And they're crooks about it. But they're coming after your land. And... Uh, I could tell you some stories, I don't know the way I've time today, that I helped two gals in San, in San Diego uh, do their land patent. They were facing foreclosure. And so both of them were in Orange County, uh, California. And the first one went to the court, and uh, the attorney for the bank did all of his spew. And, you know, let's take this, I'm paraphrasing here, but take the ladies land from her and kick her out. We don't care how she fares. That doesn't matter. And when, they, when the attorney got all done, uh, the judge turned to her with kind of, boy, I hate to do this, kind of a, a tone in his voice and said, ma'am, do you have anything to say? She said, yes, sir, your honor. I said, uh, I do. I said, I object to this whole foreclosure proceedings. And the judge kind of, she said, he kind of straightened up and he looked at her and he said, on what basis are you objecting? She said, my property is protected by a federal land patent. And all of a sudden, she said, that attorney jumped up, objection, your honor. He said, that's old stuff. The court doesn't have time for that. We don't recognize that. And just threw this wall on fit. And she said, the judge turned and looked at him and said, counselor, sit down. In a voice that meant, sit down. And so the, the judge then turned to her, she said, 
And he said, ma'am, he said, do you have your, your land patent with you? And he, she said, yes, I do. So he said, may I see it? <clears throat> so she said, you may. So the bailiff came up and she gave him the land patent and the judge started thumbing through it. And the, she said the expressions on his face kept changing. And then pretty soon the attorney for the bank jumped up against your honor. This is just a waste of time. He said, let's, let's get this concluded. The court's got better things to do. And she said that judge bent over and looked at him and said, counselor, sit down. Because they said one more outburst from you and I'm going to hold you in contempt of court. <laughs> I love that. But boy, she said that attorney didn't know what to do. And she said the bailiff kind of opened his eyes and, wow, what's this about? So she said the, the judge started asking her questions about her, her documents. And uh, she answered them. And uh, pretty soon she said he went clear to the bottom and then he started back very slowly and turning the pages. And she said he turned, laid the document on his desk, down on his desk, and he turned, she said he looked up on the wall, and she said for probably five or ten seconds, and then he looked at his computer screen, and she said he bent over and put his forearm there on the desk. And she said she looked at the counselor and said, counselor, he said, I'm not gonna grant the, the foreclosure for the bank. And that attorney liked to went ballistic. Your Honor, I don't understand. He said, if you'll keep quiet, he said, I'll explain to you why. And so the judge paused a few seconds, she said, and he said, Counselor, he said, I have no jurisdiction over this land patent. Amen. This, <laughs> this is a federal land patent. He said, I can't rule on this. I don't have the jurisdiction or the authority to do it. So it saved her home. So anyway, this other gal was about four or five months different. <coughs> In time uh, later, and I had done a land patent for her as well. <laughs> Lo and behold, when she went to the foreclosure hearing, she got the same judge. I mean, how ironic. <laughs> So this guy, this judge already knew what what was up, and as soon as she, I bet as soon as she handed him the land patent, he's like, okay, this is the same stuff that I dealt with a minute ago. He probably doesn't have to thumb through it, does he? For the sake of time here today, it was almost a repeat of the same thing, different yeah. attorney and different bank and all of that stuff. But uh, he, he told the attorney, he said, I, 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 I don't have jurisdiction to rule on this case. So what I'm saying... When you get an honest judge, that's what you will prevail. Yeah. If you're dealing with a criminal, which 90% of them are, uh, the whole Administrative Procedures Act is a criminal organization. It's a criminal entity. And uh, you wonder why all the strange stuff happened. That's why. So, Ron, I, I got a question about these ladies. So they're going to foreclose on both these ladies. They got you to do the land patent for them. They brought that to the court. Court says we don't have jurisdiction in this area. Do they? Do the? Does the bank not then try their hand at going? I guess they wouldn't go to a state, but go to a federal court to try to do this. Or do they just leave it alone? Do these people? Do these ladies ever pay another house payment to these banks again? Or did they just? No, they did not have to pay another dime. Wow. Basically, the judge decreed that the foreclosure uh, was denied, 
and therefore uh, that she owns the property. And her title in that context, as well as a patent, was that court decree. Wow. Wow. But that just shows you, folks, the power of this. Amen. Will you win every case out there in, in these local courts? No, you don't. But the, but here again, I've got an adversary that is an attorney, and he's tried to paint me everything but a white guy. I mean, he criticizes me, throws stuff all over the Internet that I'm a phony, that I'm a crook, I'm all this, I'm all that, and claims there is no such thing as a land patent. And somebody sent me a document that he had put out, and several pages long, and he names all of these court cases that the patent lost. And I read that thing, and I had thought it, it kind of hurt my feelings to start with. And then I thought, you know what? Look at this. Not a single case that he cited in that publication that he put out there was in a court of competent jurisdiction. A Supreme Court is the only court in the United States that can hear a patent case. The federal courts have no jurisdiction. They can convene an Article Three court, but they won't. And the reason they won't, they don't want to acknowledge that you have a right of property, or that you have property, and that you have rights. That's the reason they won't do it. They will absolutely destroy themselves for the sake of not letting you know and others know that you have property and rights. Yeah. And that's a basis of our Constitution. And not only that, Ron, it seems to me that would co that costs the the banks or whoever. It's going to cost them a lot of money to go to the U.S. Supreme Court, I'm sure. Well, they're, they're, they're not going to do it because they wouldn't win anyway. Yeah. The Supreme Court is mandated by law to protect that patent. Yeah. Well, if, if you've got time, let me share another Please, go story. ahead. Uh, there's a very famous case called Summa Corporation versus State of California. Now, for all intents and purposes, the State of California it had a lot of horsepower. still does, but it had a lot more when, when it wasn't getting stupid. But they decided they were going to come and confiscate Suma's property in the West Lagoon from Los Angeles all the way to the water's edge of the Pacific Ocean. So anyway, they filed suit in that in the local superior court, which is your local court in California. They ruled against Suma. So they went to the California Appeals Court. They ruled against him. <laughs> Pardon me. They went to the California Supreme Court. California Supreme Court ruled against them. So they filed it in the Federal District Court. The Federal District Court ruled against them. None of them had authority to rule against it. But anyway, that's what they did. Then they went to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco, and the Ninth Circuit Court ruled against them. So then they petitioned the United States Supreme Court, which is obligated to take the case, by the way, because it's a patent case. And they took the case. And the best way I know how to describe it, the Supreme Court blistered the state of California. They said, this is settled law. Now, when that's internal court language, if, if, if you follow me here. And it means that it started out as a lodial title. It's been a lodial title to today, and it's going to continue to be a lodial title to the end of time because it says forever. So number two, it's a land patent. 
we're not going to rule against the land patent because we're obligated to support and defend it. The other thing, California, you don't understand, it's protected by treaty law. No court in this land has the authority to annul or to, to divest or to alter in any way a, a treaty between nations. And then they also got into the Guadalupe Hidalgo Treaty between Mexico and the United States, of which California was a part of in that Mexican Guadalupe Hidalgo Treaty. And so as a result of that, they also told the state that they did not have privity. And, and, and I want you to understand what the word privity means. Privity means that you have a right to intervene into a, a case as a third party. Okay? Okay. The two parties involved are the United States government and the recipient, and which ended up down with Soma Corporation. And they said, unless you were named on the original land patent, you don't have authority to make any claim at this late date. Now, now stop and think about that. I've helped a number of people who've got code enforcement people and, and inspectors and all of that garbage coming after them. And I have them get a copy of their land patent. And then you hold it right up in their face and you say, show me where you're named on this patent. And if you don't think that's relevant, here's Summa Corporation versus State of California Coastal Commission. I'm telling you, it will shut them right up because they don't have that authority. They cannot supersede that patent. That patent is in constitutional stone, if I can put it in that context. And I, I want to share another constitutional protective covenant. It's in, found in Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1. And if you, you have to read down in it just a little bit, but it states, and I quote, no state, listen to this, no state can legislate a bill of attainder. That's A-T-T-A-I-N-D-E-R. No state can legislate an ex post facto law. That means a law today that took away your right that you had yesterday. And the third one is it cannot pass any legislation that impairs the obligation of contract. <coughs> that land patent is a forever contract, folks. It's forever. Like I say, I look at my watch forever and not yet. And so my point of this thing in here, every one of you who have land, property, whatever, that underlying patent is just strong and just free-flowing for your benefit as long as you own the property as it was the day it was issued. Yeah, now, here, here's a question, Ron. You know, because the Bible talks about, you know, we set up a, a, a godly man sets up a, an inheritance for his children. And a lot of that has been passing down land. You know, farmlands and stuff we see. You know, it, it just angers me so much. Farmlands have been in families for generations. And then when Pop dies, well, the government comes in and says, well, we're entitled to 50% of that. So we're just going to tax you. And then if you can't pay it, we're taking your land and all this other stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's immoral at its core. And I don't understand the people that think that's a fine thing. I don't think it's a fine thing 
to have property taxes. I think those are immoral too, uh, whether it's on a car, uh, a boat, a house, or whatever they're putting it on. I think that's immoral. You've paid for that. You spent your, your blood, sweat, and tears to acquire those things. And then the government, whether it's county, state, city, federal, whatever, thinks they have a right to the fruit of your labor in some fashion or another. So what happens, and I want to kind of, I guess maybe we're getting towards the end of this. What happens, let's say I get a land patent for the land that we have here. What happens if I want to set up a wheel for my children to acquire this land, to inherit this land, and that land patent transfers to them? How do I set that up to do it or... I'm assuming that has to be done too to be put into into their particular name, because I w- I had to do it to get it in mine. Would that be the same thing? They have to go through the same process to put it in their name? No, no. You okay. can do that by uh, it's called a conveyance of patent. Okay. So this is much simpler then. Absolutely, it's intended to be that. So, but it, it's a conveyance of patent. You have to left the, list the property description. You list your children's name. If they're not of age at this point, you have to state this will become effective upon their recent adult age, 18 years of age, whatever on the case. And then they inherit that by virtue of that uh, land patent conveyance. Okay. All right. Well, Ron, this has been a lot of information. I got to tell you, I know there's going to be some people who are going I want to look at I want to look at doing this more because people want to know that they own what they paid for. They they want to know they own it that nobody can come just take it away from them. And uh, I know there's a lot of people in the audience who think like that. Now some of them may not have the money to do all the step, but they can start saving up to do it because I know when we talk when we interviewed G Edward Griffin, one of the things he talked about were the communists uh, w- wanting to, because uh, I asked him, he said they want you in the cities. They don't want you to own anything. They want to, uh, and and like he said, um, I said, what about guys like me? You know, rural uh, South Carolina rednecks out here. We're not in the big city. I said, what do you get with this issue? Because um, uh, he said, oh, they have a plan for the for those people too. They're going to tax you off your land. But now, if you've got this land patent, all those taxes go away, don't they? Well, it's supposed to, but okay. they don't want to give it up. And that's the other book that I wrote called You're Not a Slave. I prove in that book that you're not obligated to pay property tax, which God never intended me because the right of land ownership is a God-given right. You can't tax inalienable rights, but that's what they're doing. That's why that's a bill of attainder that I quoted to you a little while ago on Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1. Yeah, yeah. Ron, yeah. Uh, tell, people, tell people where they can find out how to get in touch with you and uh, if they want to use your services to obtain the land patent. Well, you can go to my website there, which is rongibson.info, uh, and you can, uh, my contact information is there as well. And uh, so, anyway, or you can go to AmericanMeetingGroup.com and uh, they can give you directions about where to go as well. If you're interested in either one of my books, let me know. We'll get you set up. Okay. So, 
All right. And that's that's Ron when he was quite a bit younger there. <laughs> so, uh, and Ron's a good guy. He'll he'll be glad to help you out. Did you have something else you were wanting to add in there? I'm just wondering, could I make it a quick announcement? Yes, please. Yeah, I'm doing a land patent on the 3rd of September in, uh, in Kingman, Arizona. And you can attend or you can do it by webinar. And I would like to encourage you because we're going to cover all of this stuff. There's so much more to this. We haven't even scratched the surface here today. <clears throat> but get a hold of, of uh, American Meeting Group, AmericanMeetingGroup.com, and, and put attention uh, uh, Robert William, and he'll get you set up and signed up, etc. Either way that you want to, if you want to participate. And with that, you get a free book. <clears throat> so, but I would encourage you because we cover a lot of stuff in there and stuff that you need to know, especially if you want to bring your land patent forward. You need to know what we're talking about and why. Okay. So, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate your time and the knowledge and the wisdom you've given. If you'll hang on, I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, uh, if you want to do this, we'll have it in the archive, too. I'll make sure that we've got... Uh, all the links there so that you can get in touch with Ron, so that you can uh, check out this uh, the webinar he's going to do, or if you're in the area of Arizona, that if you want to attend, you can do that, and you can meet Ron there if you got any specific questions. Catch Bradley at 3 uh, p.m. Eastern, and then we'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. See ya.